Well, hey everyone, and welcome to episode number one of this new weekday series that we are doing called Your Questions, God's Questions. So we're going to do this on uh, weekdays, usually sometime in the evening, and this will remain on our Facebook page where you are watching it now, hopefully, or you might be watching this on our website at citypointchurch.ca, or you may be listening on the Podbean or Apple Podcasts platforms, but regardless, we're going to do this every weekday uh, for the the next little while, probably month or so, uh, as we await uh, the return to our location. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Friedland, and I'm the pastor of City Point Church in the city of Brossard, um, and I'm going to be answering your questions, okay? And uh, I am an ordained minister with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada and have been uh, a pastor for 20 straight years full-time. So uh, I'll take your questions uh uh, at this address, I'll just put it up there so you can see it. So whatever question that you have about God, the Bible, religion, uh, whatever, some some type of question along those lines, uh, the church, uh, whatever, I will be most happy to answer it. You may be of a totally different religious belief system or no belief system at all, and you have questions, roadblocks about the Bible, God, Christianity, all of those things, I would invite you to submit your question uh, via email to the address that you see, uh, or the link that you see on your screen, and I'd be happy to answer it. I've got a few of them that have just come in, and they're really, really good ones, uh, as is the one that we're going to deal with in today's, uh, today's episode. Um, so, the question today, and this is a very kind of explosive question, a very um, uh, a question that causes all kinds of emotion, uh, because it deals with two things that we don't really like talking about, especially when we're with family, and one is religion and the other is politics. So we're going to answer the question, why is it that some Christians support the current president of the United States, uh, Donald Trump. And I have been asked this question for about four years uh, since he was inaugurated. Uh, I have uh, been asked the question very recently, within the last couple of days. And this question is all over uh, social media and uh, has really come to a a boiling point um, in the present moment. In, uh, in, of course, with all the things going on in the United States, uh, the deaths of, uh, of two black men caught on video, uh, Ahmaud Arbery uh, and, of course, George Floyd. Also, the, uh, the incident in Central Park with Christian Cooper and uh, all of the demonstrations and the protests that are happening all over the United States and in different places in the world, including right here in Canada. Uh, There was a large protest again yesterday in downtown Montreal. And so uh, this has kind of come to a boiling point, especially with the recent uh, behavior of the president when he took a photo in front of a historic church that had been set on fire the night before, and he held up his, his a Bible, and uh, this was reported on as being, a, you know, just a publicity stunt and a photo op, and there were people who 
uh, where ga- gas was some type of tear gas to to move them out of the way so that he could go for his photo op. And I have been asked the question so many times. Uh, there's just a myriad of things uh, with regard to the the current president in terms of his moral lifestyle, his behavior, there's thousands of uh, ridiculous tweets, uh, all these different kinds of things. And people ask this question, and I think it is a very legitimate question. And it is asked often by uh, folks who don't profess to be Christians. And there's a few things going on in this question. Um, for one, it shows uh, that the questioner has a perception of what Christianity is, and uh, it's suggested by the question that there's some hypocrisy going on. How is it that uh, some Christian folks, people who claim to be followers of Jesus, um, would also at the same time support this particular president? Uh, because the questioner sees a contradiction, and that shows an understanding uh, or a particular understanding of what Christianity is, and how the the two don't seem to line up in in uh, in the minds of people who are asking this question. Uh, but there's so much going on here. Um, for one, uh, in the United States, and and uh, there'll be people who will be watching this who are from the U.S who will be supporters of Trump. There are people who will watch this who are from the U.S. who will be uh, uh, very much uh, anti-Trump. Uh, there are people from Canada in the same, same. you'll be one way or the other way. As soon as you hear his name, you're one way or the other way. Um, but w- one thing we have to first start with here is that in, in the United States, uh, the fusion of Christianity in particular and religion is dangerous and uh, very, very uh, overdone. So there is a, uh, a view that's pretty prevalent in the U.S. that if a person claims to be a Christian, and I'll use the term evangelical a little bit in our, in our chat uh, today, uh, by, when I say evangelical, a proper understanding of that word is a person who believes uh, that the Bible is the Word of God, uh, but also interprets it according to genre and context and and so on, Uh, but they believe in the authority um, of the Bible and that it is inspired by God. And um, so I'll use that term. Uh, There is a view that's pretty prevalent in the United States that if a person is a follower of Jesus, an evangelical, that uh, they cannot be of any political persuasion except one. And, you know, if you say that you're a Christian and you're a Democrat or you're a whatever, but you're not a Republican, that's the system in the U.S., then it's like, well, how can you, how can you be a Christian if you're a Democrat or if you're a, anything else but a Republican? And that is a very, very dangerous uh, view. The whole democratic system uh, has a major pillar to it in that anyone, regardless of their religious view, can vote for anyone they want. And uh, that that's a, a, a freedom that uh, people in a democratic society 
enjoy and that people died for that freedom. So to say that, uh, you know, someone of a particular religious view, Christianity or otherwise, can't vote for any candidate except one or can't be of any political persuasion except one, this is, this is, uh, ridiculous and so uh but but it is a very prevalent uh view in the u.s and furthermore you you will see in the u.s um that in in many churches certainly not all churches but in many churches preaching has a political uh uh part to it and oftentimes a message can be laced with uh, uh politics and political views as much as it is the Bible. And so there is a dangerous fusion between those two things um, in the United States. And uh, here in Canada, it's kind of the total, total opposite. Uh, But in the U.S., those two are fused together and in a dangerous fashion. Um, Number two, when we get to the actual bulk of this question. Uh, So again, it shows that people have a perception of what Christianity is, they say, how can a follower of Jesus support an individual who, I mean, you can just pick a few things. You know, this this recent photo opportunity, um, it, the man's been impeached from office, all kinds of things in his personal life uh, and, uh, you know, an immoral lifestyle and so on and so on. I mean, you can go back years and years and years and years to, to talk about that and, um, yeah, we could be here all day, uh, you know, speaking about these things. Um, but they, the questioner sees a contradiction. And that's a very, very valid question to ask. So usually it's because the perception of Christianity is uh, something along the lines of, okay, well, you teach that God is love, you teach about forgiveness, you teach about mercy, um, you teach that uh, we can have a relationship with God, you teach about Jesus, uh, 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 love your neighbor as you love yourself, do to others as you would have them do to you, the golden rule, uh, and that uh, Christians are supposed to believe in, in morals and ethics and all of these things. Um, and so when you have someone who's a leader who, for example, lies, uh, who deceives, who manipulates, who's self-centered, who's narcissistic, uh, just to name a few things, uh, at least in the minds of the people who, who have this question, um, then why, how is it possible that some Christians would support this individual? Now, here's the reason. And for some of you, this is this is fairly obvious. For some of you, though, it's a totally a bell is going off in your head. It's not that uh, evangelicals who support this particular president are unaware of all of the problems uh, in in the way he comports himself, the way he speaks, his values, his life, his personal life, all of these things, some of the decisions. It's not that they're it's not that they're unaware of that is that they're weighing that on the one side, but on the other side, they have seen particular policies and a posture that the current president has held that they agree with. And it it generally falls in about three areas. Uh, For one, for example, he has appointed conservative judges to the Supreme Court of the uh, United States, and uh, there is a fairly large group of evangelicals in the United States 
who like this because of its the the potential for the Constitution to be interpreted from a conservative position, and also uh, the fallout of that could be uh, uh, more decisions that would protect the rights of the unborn and support a pro-life uh, position, and even the possibility of overturning Roe versus Wade. So there's this broad section of evangelicals who say, well, you know, on the one hand, we have all of these problems with the president, but on the other hand, we have this, for example, appointment of conservative judges to the bench. Um, other things, uh, for example, uh, uh, religious protection, religious freedom, and he has he has held to a posture, at least in the last about four years, uh, to do things to protect religious liberty. And uh, evangelicals have appreciated this uh, as well. Uh, Israel is another subject that is, for some, not all evangelicals, but certainly for some, for a broad cross-section, um, the support of Israel, uh, because a lot of evangelicals, or certainly a good cross-section, would hold to what we call a dispensational uh, view of theology and of the, the end of the world, and I won't bore you with the details uh, on this uh, uh, broadcast, but uh, in that view, there is a particular program that God has for the Jewish people and for the nation of Israel. He has not abandoned them. They've not been absorbed uh, by the church or something. They still exist, and God still has a program for them. And so the moving of the embassy uh, and the declaration that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, a broad cross-section of evangelicals have really liked this. And so they view, on the one hand, all of the problems, and on the other hand, all these other things, and they, they kind of turn a blind eye to the one in favor of the other. And some of them, you know, wince at the, <laughs> at the one and, you know, and, and grit their teeth and kind of smile at the other. And right or wrong, uh, that's what's going on in the minds of some people who are followers of Jesus, who indeed support uh, the current president of the United States. Right or wrong, that's their that's their reasoning, that's their rationale. Now, there is a broader um, concept that we we can we can finish up with uh, today. And uh, again, there's going to be people on the other side of this camera who, who love the current president and those who loathe him on the other side of this camera. Um, I'm glad that I live in, in uh, the nation of Canada, and we certainly have our own, uh, our own problems and our own issues here. But uh, there's, a, there's a broader subject that we can just finish up with, and that has to do with God's view of leaders of nations. Now, uh, one thing is for certain, and you see this also in the United States, and it's also a dangerous thing. Not only is there this dangerous fusion of politics and, and Christianity, but also there is a view, again, not all Christians hold this view in the U.S., but there is a strong amount of them that do, that somehow the Bible speaks about the United States of America it most certainly does not, nor does it speak about Canada. Some people try and look at the, the major prophets and the minor prophets in the Old Testament of the Bible and say, aha, here we have a prediction about the United States, or here we have a prediction about the current president, and so on and so on. Folks, um, 
I can tell you uh, uh, with with great conviction, the Bible speaks nothing in detail about North America, period. Um, and sometimes in the United States, there is a real self-centeredness there that's, that somehow God uh, is, is speaking specifically about the U.S. in the Scripture, and he most certainly does not. That said, there is a, a concept that is taught in Scripture that has to do with leaders of nations. And this is uh, what I just wanted to finish up with, and this comes from the Bible's book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And um, Daniel uh, uh, addresses this, and you may know a little bit about Daniel and the lion's den and some of these stories found in the book of Daniel. Well, here you have a group of, of Jews who are brought to Babylon uh, and taken into captivity. So not a pleasant situation. And the king of Babylon is not a pleasant fellow either. Um, He is narcissistic, arrogant, uh, uh, certainly a non-democratic system. Uh, He's a megalomaniac. He is, if you you do not like uh, Donald Trump, this is Donald Trump on a lot, a lot of steroids. Okay, so you read the book of Daniel and you look at the leader there. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the Babylonian uh, leader for a time in the book of Daniel. And wow, you've got some kind of immoral, corrupt, wow, uh, uh, you know, this is narcissism and arrogance and self-centeredness amplified. And uh, these these Jews are taken into captivity from the city of Jerusalem, brought hundreds of miles away. Daniel is among the captives, okay? And in Daniel chapter 1, J- Daniel chapter 2, you will see that Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, very bizarre dream about a statue made of all different elements. And um, he's quite disturbed by this dream. He thinks there's some kind of uh, significance to it in their view, in the Babylonian uh, religious view. There most certainly would have been significance to dreams. And he had a whole squadron of people who could, you know, who trafficked in the occult and in the magic arts and so on. And they were thought to be able to interpret dreams and they were kind of advisors to him. And uh, Daniel um, uh, addresses this uh, in an odd way. So Nebuchadnezzar wants the interpretation of this very frightening dream, and he he raises the stakes really high, and he says, you know, uh, people are gonna are gonna lie to me about the interpretation, they're gonna try and manipulate me about the interpretation. He's a very paranoid guy, and so he says, you know what, tell me the dream, and uh, and interpret the dream. So I'm not even gonna tell you what it is. You have to know what it is. And if you know what it is, then I'll know you're the real deal. <laughs> and of course, all the whole his whole entourage is saying that's impossible. Nobody can do that. And of course, the one who can ends up being Daniel. Now, Nebuchadnezzar raises the bar and he says, if you don't, if, if nobody can interpret, the, uh, can tell me what the dream is and interpret it, I'll just kill them all. And that's his, that's his view. And so he says, I'll just execute everybody. Uh, all of all of my entourage. It's a kind of a you're fired moment, right? And so he's he's just going to get rid of them all. And Daniel tries to slow him down and put the brakes on. He gets his friends. There's three other friends that were taken captivity with him into captivity, and he gets them to pray. And and Daniel um, uh, says, "Wow, why is there such a harsh response uh, by the king?" And lo and behold, 
Daniel has a has a vision and he knows the dream and he knows the interpretation. And basically the dream and the interpretation have to do with the 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 different um world leaders that will come and go from Nebuchadnezzar's time all the way into the future. And um, so this is kind of the basic principle of the dream, but you can read it yourself in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 2. Um, and this is what he says in Daniel, the second chapter, uh, having been able to not only know what the dream was, but also to interpret the dream. And uh, this is what it says, uh, verse 19 of Daniel chapter 2, Bible's Old Testament. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, now this is taught throughout the book of Daniel and through the Bible itself. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons he deposes kings and raises up others. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You've given me wisdom and power and made me know. Uh, you have made uh, known to me what was uh, uh, the dream of the king. And uh, so just focusing on that one part of the verse, he deposes kings and raises up others. Really important principle. It, and this is the word uh, uh, sovereignty. We use this in, in theology, that God is sovereign, that he ultimately reigns over the affairs of this world even though he doesn't circumvent people's free will, he mysteriously reigns over it all for his purposes and for his work to ultimately be accomplished. This is the idea of sovereignty. Even those who are um, willfully resistant to God, he still, in this kind of mysterious way, reigns over all of the affairs of this world, even though we don't understand how does that all work, especially when we see heinous evil acts that are happening in this world? I've named a few tonight or, or today. Um, even so, he somehow over this entire world is sovereign. And that's the word that we use uh, to try and capture this. He's sovereign. And so no king, no ruler, no... Uh, uh, leader of of any nation um, is going to be there forever is the point that every leader has a shelf life every ruler every president has a shelf life every prime minister regardless of nation uh, regardless of of uh, of a leadership style regardless of the type of government every leader has a shelf life because God ultimately will depose every single one. He will bring them up for a time, he will raise up, and he will depose. So whether you like or loathe the current president, he will be deposed at some point. And ultimately, even though we have a democratic system to elect and so on, uh, ultimately that is overseen 
if we're to believe what the Bible is saying here, that is somehow overseen in, the, in this kind of mysterious way uh, by God himself. And here you have a, a narcissistic, arrogant, violent, megalomaniac uh, dictator leader who is being told by Daniel, he raises kings, he deposes kings, and if when you see the interpretation of the dream, the first king to be deposed is Nebuchadnezzar. And so that's the bigger lesson. Will we trust God and his sovereignty even though we don't understand, even though we have objections, even though we have questions? Will we trust that somehow he knows what he's doing and he reigns over even those who oppose him and do not submit to him? He even reigns over them too. And he raises people up and he deposes them. And so that is the bigger lesson. Will we trust in God? I mean, it's above my pay grade. Like, I can't tell you, well, why would God raise up, you know, this particular uh, president? I can't, I can't give you the, the reason, you know, and, and many of you are saying, well, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, obviously he didn't. Well, if we're to believe Daniel, then somehow in that great mystery of God's sovereignty, he raises leaders up, he deposes others, and President Trump is no exception. No president has ever been the exception, and none will. And not in any nation, not in any time. Ultimately, they all have a shelf life. And ultimately, it is God who reigns and will accomplish accomplish his purposes and his plans uh, for this world. So I trust that that's helpful for you. And that's a, kind of a blessing for you. Uh, maybe it gives you some comfort to know that God is ultimately in control. Even though it doesn't look like it, he ultimately is. And uh, so if you have a question, please uh, send it to me. And please, those of you who, uh, you know, maybe you're from my church, share, share, share. There are many, many people, uh, uh, non-Christian people, Christian people who have this question. And uh, so we're going to deal with one a day. And I look forward to hearing from you. Until then, God bless you.